Hello, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Stacey, and I'm so excited to have you here. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about confidence, being authentic, and staying true to who you are. And I couldn't have someone better on the show to talk about that with than Carly Hannon. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Stacey, so much for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation today. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. Usually on the podcast, we really stick to like someone's career and talking about them. So I'm really excited to see where this conversation is going to go um, because it's a really important topic and something, especially for people who are starting their careers, especially females, it's important to know and to talk about. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it was exciting to come up with a topic. And and when I reached out, I was like, okay, this is, I think, the topic. It really came from a conversation I was having uh, with another woman in early in her career. And she was recently switching positions. And I was like, just be authentic, be who you are. And I was like, boom. I said, it's not common sense for uh, females, female, especially young female professionals. And when I think back, even on my own career, I'm like, this wasn't, this, this seems common sense, but yet you need to be told this information. And so I'm happy. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing kind of my insights from my career, but also how I've seen this uh, develop in other young professionals. 100%. I totally agree. And before we get into all that juicy stuff, we're going to start with our rapid fire questions and we'll start with an easy one for some and a really difficult one for some people. And that's what is your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Yeah. All chocolate. Some people might be like, oh, wine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you can keep the alcohol calories. I will happily eat my chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, What is your biggest pet peeve? Okay, so I am in a coin toss on this one. First off, usher that is not like correctly done. Oh my gosh. I I will have, I will happily redo a dishwasher if it's not done correctly because. That is like, especially right now, the pandemic, it's a dishwasher has got to be done right. Um, My other big pet peeve that was like the coin toss was hair twirling, which this audience is is a lot of females and hair twirling is uh, do a little research if you're not aware of it, but it drives me bonkers. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're such a smart professional. Stop twirling your hair. So anyway. That's such an interesting one. I've never done any research or heard anything about it, but I know so many people who twirl their hair or like as just a nervous habit, they just play with their hair and it is pretty frustrating. Yes. Yes. I think now that I've pointed it out, I I think everyone is going to look at their friends or even especially like video conference meetings right now. And they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, stop. They're going to start like (laughs) swatting at their screens like cut it out. And it really is. It's, it's a sign to the other person that they're not confident and when they actually are. And it also is a distraction to our brain and we actually stop hearing what you're saying. And so it's like, cut it out. I actually want to hear your words and these other people should. Anyway, stop twirling your hair, please. (laughs) Okay, the next one is, what is the most useless talent you have? I don't know. I don't personally think I have any useless talents, which makes me feel even worse because I'm like, no, you don't even have any talents. Like none of them are even useful. (laughs) Um, This is so funny. So I can pick things up with my toes. Okay. So I like my toes, I can like spread them. I don't know. I must've had like a boring childhood (laughs) or something that I figured out that I can like move my toes independently, which having small children, I can, I figured out that I can, I can do a lot of stuff holding a baby and with my toes and (laughs) that's great. See you picking up a blanket. Yeah. Useless talent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. The next one is who is a celebrity you would rate 10 out of 10. 
Okay, Jennifer Lopez. I mean, if there is a woman who shuts it down on in every category, it's her. I, I like, I, I, I'm not not ten out of ten sexually, but ten out of ten, like in, in just life. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, she is gorgeous. She is smart. She is talented in everything she does. The woman shuts it down. My mom is a huge fan of JLo. I think she's seen JLo perform three or four times and she loves her every single time and although I was I know I was disappointed with her New Year's performance though New Year's Eve I didn't think it was rocking but I feel like you know everyone you know everyone has their moments not everyone not every single performance is gonna be amazing but I agree with you she's gorgeous and considering her age and that she's had she had how many children has she had she had twins she has yeah, two okay. kids with Mark Anthony. Yeah. yeah. yeah and now I she's agree. engaged to A-Rod. Right. Who, you know, superstar baseball player, but the two of them together are like, oh my God. If yeah, you've never power couple. Heard, yeah. They are the funniest couple. Like they're on Instagram videos together. They have like YouTube videos together. They are just two really hardworking individuals, but she, I'm sorry, but she's the bigger star. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. She like lifted him up like before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, this is a perfect lead into our next question, which is who is a fictional character you would love to meet in real life? Uh, Christian Gray. No, that didn't even. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I I love this question because if anyone knows me in my personal life, I'm like obsessed with the Vampire Diaries. Like, I rewatched oh. the whole season one to eight over the summertime and like just yes. fell in love with it again. So for me, it'd be Damon Salvatore because it's just. I was so there were some other books like I all right so like the trashy novels like they're fantastic when you're commuting and I'm reading on a Kindle no one has any idea what you're reading and let me just say that they make a commute a breeze um but anyway like there's some other characters in those books that I'm like I would love to meet this person yeah so I, I know that people are like in love with uh like the Outlander series and the characters yes. that are an Outlander those are great there's other amazing ones out there so just keep reading yeah it's different when you I used to read a lot when I was younger and that was one of my new year's resolutions but it's so difficult with school and like reading textbooks all day because right now I'm trying to read all these like business books and like how to be successful in your career which are great like I need to read those too but I think that to get back into like the love of reading fictional is just the way to you have to balance yeah and yeah and I also think like you can only ingest so much like non-fiction um business case study yeah. Uh, you know, tool sharpening type of books. And I think you have to let those things marinate in you for a while and let you adapt them to your day-to-day life. And so I think as a result, like it's a perfect segue. It's almost like read one nonfiction, read three fiction, because then you're giving your mind and your like habits a time to adapt versus like continually forcing more information into yourself. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great segue into kind of our first question on the podcast here, which is just to give us a rundown of your career so far. You've worked with USA Today. You now work with Fast Case. Um, So give us a rundown from when you started your career to where you are now. 
Absolutely. So um, I started my career way, way back, uh, feels like forever ago, but it was almost 20 years ago. And I started out with the hope of actually getting into hotel management, believe it or not. And I got out of college when the economy here in the US was in the tank um, after 9-11. And so there was no one traveling. There were no hotel jobs. So I got a job in sales. And if I think back to being in college, I was like, I don't want to do sales. Like, oh, that seems so gross. And then I got into it and I was like, oh my gosh, I have, I could never have done anything other than sales, which then as you start doing sales, the other aspects of the, um, the customer life cycle, marketing, customer success, those things just naturally start to enter your scope. So I started my career actually selling insurance over the phone. Then I went to um, America Online at the time is what they were called. Now they're called AOL. And I, they were acquired mm-hmm. a couple of years ago by Verizon. Um, and that started my career towards digital content publishing. So there is a tremendous amount of content that was being published in print. But then obviously with the uh, rise of internet uh, and dial-up was king at that time. I'm totally old. I am. Um, <laughs> dial-up was king at the time, but it was transitioning to broadband little by little. The, the desire for digital content consumption was growing. And so I was with AOL for seven years. Um, and then I went to a company called Living Social. Uh, they were like a competitor to Groupon. Groupon eventually acquired them. That really sharpened my packaging skills, so to speak, the marketing, the packaging of things. And then I transitioned kind of both of those skill sets that I got from that company to Gannett, which their crown jewel brand is USA Today, actually worked on the USA Today brand. Um, And then I was kind of able to dip back what was fun in my um, experience back into my hotel knowledge, because interestingly, most of USA Today newspapers and content is distributed in in hotels. And so it was really fun to kind of work in both, but still be focusing on, on content. And, uh, and then I transitioned to the fast case and I was like, what the heck am I going into the legal technology for? And it didn't take me long for the light bulb to go off. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is digital content publishing. Instead of it being uh, journalists and editors publishing content on a daily basis, it's judges, it's legislations that are publishing content on a daily basis. And it's the digitizing, the tagging, the ability to distribute it to people who need it quickly and in a format that makes it easy to digest and get them what they need quickly just like news media content, it's the exact same thing for attorneys, for in-house counsel, for folks who are working around the legal industry. Um, it's just incredible how prolific the, the legal industry is. Um, but it's it's the same kind of motion, just happens to be different content. So at Fastcase, I lead the sales and marketing customer success team. Uh, so it's, again, all of that, that full customer life cycle um, for, for needing all of that legal technology, uh, legal information in different applications in different formats. That's really interesting. Did you know or did you have any like legal experience or did you take any like law courses while you were in school that kind of drew you to, I'd love to work in something related to law? No, I, I mean, I took a B-Law class, but who doesn't okay. take a B-Law class <laughs> yeah. in, in business school, right? Yes. Um, and now and now being on, on this side of the fence, I actually think there is a need to have even more business law. Um, if I, my career as a manager, as a leader, um, I spent so much time with our HR team as like issues with employees come up. 
and yeah. you learn so much about employment law. I was like, I, there should be an entire course exclusively on employment law for every business student out there. Um, but no, I, I had no experience with the law when I joined. Um, I am thankful to have, uh, I'd be surrounded by a bunch of attorneys um, mm-hmm. at Fastcase, and they are all so gracious in explaining uh, the, the overall legal system. Um, plus, I live not far outside of Washington, D.C. I'm a native Washingtonian. And so I definitely understand the government. I understand yes. how the federal government, federal legislation, the court system works. So that just general knowledge was easy to then be like, what is all of this other stuff that's going on around it? And uh, but the knowledge, it, it was was pretty easy to pick up. And it translates so seamlessly. Again, like you would think like news media publishing, legal information publishing, it is so similar that it's eerie, if that makes any sense. So it wasn't that hard of a leap. It's just a different source of that content, but similar needs of the audience receiving it, which is amazing to understand. Yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, when you describe it similar to what your media career was like and then now in the legal world you would think that it is so similar but it's still something that I had never heard of until I started researching fast case and was seeing what the company was all about and I was like this is so interesting I've never heard of anything else like it so it's interesting that you compare it to you were in newspaper media to now I'm um, like the similarities that those two have yeah yeah and especially right now with the pandemic um the, I would say the legal industry was probably one of the last, if not the last, uh, industry to really adapt to full technology. Uh, when uh, everyone's offices were shutting down and everyone started working from home, there were so many attorneys that still relied on physical books and right. physical journals. I didn't journals. even think of that. Yeah, I didn't either. And it was so, it, it was still so paper driven. Like I'm going to get this document and make my hand edits and drop it on this person's desk that all of a sudden, like last year, the, the legal industry went through like a two to four month dormancy, depending on the, the law practice. And it was like, knock, knock, is anybody home? And they were just adapting to digital processes that what's amazing is the rest of us within society, whether it's ordering food, ordering groceries, ordering paper plates, like we're doing all that online yeah. and mobile apps even. And you have attorneys who are still going to a bookcase and pulling out a book. And so the transition has been just rapid fire for that industry. And so as a result, like the transition to really fully digital has just, I mean, pushed the accelerator really rapidly through the pandemic. It's been really interesting to see and experience. And then hear attorneys say, why the heck didn't we do this sooner? (laughs) And it's like, hallelujah, vindication. So it's a really exciting time uh, within the legal tech, uh, in the legal tech industry. And I think it's also a career path one thing on the business casuals we try and showcase different career paths and it's something that like you said when you're coming out of school what you wanted to do was so different to where you are now you know further into your career and there's all these jobs and companies that are out there that you just don't know about because it's impossible to know every single possible job out there but there is so many and you don't have to be limited by the same four that most big business schools are going to push you into or most business students that you're in school with want to go into. 
Absolutely. I, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, I think back to some of the jobs that I was kind of, you know, they were touted in business school as like, this is the job you want to have. And I look at it now and I'm like, those aren't bad jobs. Those are necessary jobs. Analysts, necessary. Accountants, yep. necessary. But there's so much fun and creativity in business. Um, yeah, I, I could go on and on about just navigating careers. Um, and uh, it is so fun. And, and uh, my biggest advice for anyone coming out of school is always be open to ideas because you never know when the next career shaping opportunity and future shaping opportunity is going to present itself. So I'm always open, even though I'm, I'm not actively looking for a new job. Someone might reach out to me and be like, Hey, we, we thought of you. And it's like, yeah, tell me more. And it's not because I want to make a change, but it's, I've never heard about this. And it, it still happens even in my career today. So always be open, always be listening. I think that's a great piece of advice and a great segment into what we want to talk about today, which is being authentic and confident and staying true to who you are, especially um, as a female in the early stages of your career. So I kind of wanted to start this conversation with, um, this is a topic that you told me you were really passionate, you want to talk about it. So why do you think this is such an important topic um, and something that everyone should really dive in and understand? Yeah, that's a, a really great point. I, I've spent a lot of time reflecting back on my the early days of my career to where I am now as a professional. Uh, I have a wonderful team. I have a wonderful network around me. I get a lot of really positive compliments, very flattering. But I think to myself, well, what the heck did I do? What happened? What did I focus on so that I can help others do the same thing? And I, I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this. And there's a couple, you know, key things that that I've come back to as like those pivotal like thought processes I had. And one of them was being authentic to myself. I think as a female, I know as a female, and I think that other listeners and yourself can relate to this. As a female, we adapt, right? Mm -hmm. We adapt to our friends. We adapt to our professors, getting back to what we were just talking about. You adapt to your family and you'll quickly realize in your career that you'll adapt to companies. You'll adapt to teams. You'll adapt to coworkers, to clients. And that's okay because on one hand, you might be evolving yourself. You might be helping advancing yourself. But on the other hand, you actually might be becoming someone that you're authentically not. And so I found, I, as I thought back to myself or thought back on my early career, I did see points in my career where I did adapt to my coworkers in a way that was not true to who I am. And I don't think as a result of that, that the company I worked for, the clients that I worked with, or even my family and friends, then really understood who I truly am as a person. And it takes, I think, a strong understanding of who you are as a person to then be able to be authentic to who you are and not allow yourself to mold to the others around you instead of evolving. Does that make sense? Like you want to evolve, yeah. but you don't necessarily want to change yourself. No, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think that adaptability is, it's a buzzword right now. It's something mm -hmm. that you hear 
over and over again, you know, we're adapting to the pandemic, we're adapting to online learning, we're adapting to this, we're adapting to that. And I think sometimes it's just something that almost you feel that, oh, I have to adapt. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. But it might not be the case. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, adapt to this, conform to this. This is what we want you to be. On one hand, yes, you know, we can adapt to wearing masks outside. Fine. Do we need to fully adapt to this virtual life that we have, I think, let's say, temporarily adapted to? Yes. I think think that there's some things we should adapt to and other things that it's like, eh, I'm I'll be okay to move on from that in the future. I agree. I agree. I don't want so, this to be permanent. This is a temporary uh, situation. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, we've, uh, I don't want to say adapted to everything, but we've also evolved as yes. individuals. And so it's, it's, yes, we've adapted some permanently, some temporarily, but I think we, as, as well as individuals have evolved to being resilient in this mm-hmm. time. And I think as you evolve your career, um, you're going to evolve your professional skills, whether that's communication, time management, project management, sales sales skills, marketing, messaging, et cetera. All those things get just sharpened with the more and more projects that you do and the more people you work with. But when you're interpersonal connecting with folks, when you are building relationships internally or externally, you should remain authentic to who you are. On one hand, yes, adapt to, you know, who you're talking to, whether it's a specific industry or a specific type of a client. Yes, you'll you'll probably be a little bit more sophisticated with a larger company than you might be with a smaller company if, if they were a client. Um, but you're still going to probably remain either that humble person, that witty person, that, um, you know, quiet, confident person, So being authentic to yourself is being true to who you are. And I think that takes time as an individual to identify what are your values, what are, what you find to be valuable and that you are developing as a person. It also kind of is, I think, true, even in in personal relationships, Uh, if you think about someone who you're dating or engaged to, or you're married to, uh, it's oftentimes that we will conform to that partner um, but it, it, that partner's then not getting who you fully are. And on one hand, again, you're evolving, but you don't necessarily want to change who you are because you want that person to love you for who you are. Otherwise you're going to find yourself miserable a couple years into that relationship, if not sooner, hopefully sooner. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's a, a part self-reflection of understanding your values and who you are as a person, and then holding that true to yourself while you evolve as an individual and while you evolve your your business skills. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that one of the challenges that maybe you face when you're at the beginning of your career, and this is just like from my own personal experience and what I feel and what I think my peers feel, is that, you know, there's a, you have to, you know, you're the newbie there's anyone can replace you haven't established yourself yet so there's kind of this balance of between I want to impress people I want to do well here I want to show that I'm capable 
So I want to do everything that they want me to do. And I want to make sure that I'm the person or I'm the intern, I'm the employee that they hired and they want me to be. And the other hand, it's also, you know, you're at a point in your life and your career where you're trying to learn as much. You're trying to be a sponge. You're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what it truly is that you want. So what are some of the challenges that you faced in your career, um, maybe related to those two things? And how did you overcome them? I think overcoming them, I certainly made errors, right? You can't help but make errors. Uh, And that's how we learn. Um, I got to think about this. It's okay. Take your time. (laughs) Hold on. Restate the question again. So I want to really make sure I get a good example. Yeah. Or I kind of said two questions at once. I can start with, so originally I was talking about how um, it's hard to conform, like balance between conforming and like fitting into the company and then also learning more about yourself. So I can restate that question and then okay. I can say the challenges again. We can like finish off that conversation and then go into the challenges if you want that. Yeah, let's do the first because okay. I'm like, oh shit, which question do I do first? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, let me just pause and then I'll restart. I think a great point you touched on there too is that especially when you're young in your career and this is how I feel and I think how my peers feel sometimes when you're the intern or when you're the new employee, you want to impress them. You want to show them all your skills. You want to be the perfect intern or employee and really showcase all of your talents and skills and really fit into that corporate culture. And on the other hand, you're at a point in your life where you're trying to figure everything out. Is this a career I want to enter? Do I really like it here? What am I going to do? What's next? And you're still behind the scenes. There's so much going on because you're just so new and you don't have that skills or that, that corporate judgment yet of kind of where to go in your career. So I think balancing staying authentic and then, you know, balancing fitting in is something that a lot of people also struggle with. I, I absolutely agree with you there um, because you want to impress the people you're with, but you're, I think you hit on something that's really critical to think about. And it's, do I, is this where I should be? Is this company and this team and this environment also authentic to who I yeah, am? That's important. That's actually two really good um, points to make there. One of which is impressing people, whether it's as an intern or as a uh, employee, there's two things I always harp on, especially with new folks who are early in their career on my team. One of which is time management. And the other is communication. I don't care about your project management skills. I don't care how disastrous your notes are. Doesn't matter. What I care about is if you're meeting a deadline and if you're not meeting a deadline, you're telling me about it and why. And you're telling me about it before the deadline is hit so that I can either jump in and help or we can overcome that obstacle together or I can help you navigate how to get through through that obstacle. And I think it's key to understanding um, those types of things that it's, it, it doesn't matter, uh, like what you're doing. It's just hitting those two things, communicating and time management. The authenticity I think comes in when you're looking at, is this the environment that I want to be spending my time in? Is this the team that I want to be spending my time in? And that I think goes back to the authenticity of who you are as an individual. You can communicate with anybody. You can meet anybody's deadline. But you have to look at the product and the brand you're representing, the leadership that you're working with and saying, is this who I am? And I think this also goes back to a a really interesting um, topic. And it was certainly a a hot topic in, in 2019 and 2020, which is the Me Too movement. 
Right. And certainly I've had some uncomfortable moments in my career as a female. Sad. It's true. There's more women that you're going to encounter who have than who haven't. Um, but I can tell you that that spidey sense that you have in the back of your head of like, I don't know, just something is telling me this is wrong. More than likely it is wrong. And so you have to look at the, the company, the product, the brand, the people and say, do they align with where I am and who I am and what I stand for? And ethically speaking, it doesn't matter if it's like the brand you want to work for. It doesn't matter because in the end, you're only going to get hurt. And so, and you're end up, you're going to end up being just conforming to something or being forced to conform to something or something even worse. And gosh, I don't, I hope that doesn't happen to anybody. So I think it's kind of two things of conforming to meeting the job expectations. I think those are just fundamental skills, professional skills that you, uh, that you should hone on. But then I think the bigger thing that people should be focusing on, I don't think young professionals focus on it enough is finding the right team and the right brands to represent that are again, authentic to who they are as an individual. And I can say that, yes, I have left jobs when I've moved on from jobs. And one of the primary reasons is because the, the team changed, that team evolved, that brand evolved. And it evolved to a point that I was like, this doesn't match who I am. And I'm not going to be honest with myself. And if I'm not honest with myself, I'm not going to be honest with my peers, with my team, with my clients, when what I'm doing is not authentic to who I am. Yeah, I I think that's a great piece of advice. And again, it's one of those buzzwords that you hear, especially for me, like in the thick of business school right now is corporate culture. And what is the Mm. corporate culture? And a lot of job interviews. How do you think you're going to fit into the corporate culture here? How do you think you're going to fit in? And I think that's important to look at when you're researching jobs. But I think it's also something that it depends by who you're surrounded with and who you're working with. And this is something that our last guest Tiffany touched on when she was intern at Reddit. She said it wasn't even about Reddit itself. It was about my manager. It was about my coworkers who made me feel welcome and who showed me the ropes yeah. of product management and who really pushed me to, even though I was the only female in the room or the youngest in the room, to say, Tiffany, you have really great advice. Speak up. And that's something she touched yeah. on. And she's a recent grad. So I just think it connects perfectly to what we're talking about right now and this idea of what is the corporate culture, but what is the culture when you actually enter? What is it going to be like when you start working? And that's something that you might not know until you actually start. I couldn't agree with that more. And and I absolutely agree with what Tiffany said in that prior podcast. Um, I also think that the early part of your career, the early part of your time at a company is I think when you're most susceptible to being inauthentic to yourself. And when you're going to your point, conform to something that is not going to be true to who you are. And then at that point, you're, you're on a very weird, slippery slope where trying to pull it back to who you are is going to be, is going to be hard. And I think it's also why most companies, especially right now might even say, let's do like a 90 day internship before we transition us to full time. And when that happens, when that's offered, that's not a bad thing. I actually think that's a really good thing because it allows candidates to experience the company culture from within to make that final decision of, yes, this is a team that I want to spend a long period of time with, not something where I'm going to get into a full-time position and be like, I don't know if I like this. 
And because again, it, it might not be true to who you are as a person. And it's not until you get behind those doors. I mean, look at, look at the just really sad truth of what happened in Uber, a brand we all love. Mm-hmm. And look at all of like this really negative culture that was going on within Uber's engineering team. I certainly don't think anyone foresaw that happening. And I can only imagine how many unhappy engineers, female engineers, but also how many female engineers, you know, quit long before the whole thing blew up. And um, it's one of those things where if it's not authentic and you are not able to be authentic yourself, just, just stop and, and just be like, this isn't for me. And as a, as a leader, I happily respect when someone says this isn't for me that's better to do that than to conform and be miserable than to be true to who you are. Yeah. That also takes confidence and it takes, you know, a lot of self-reflection and like, it also takes, you know, really being um, true to yourself and really confident in your values and what you believe in to be able to stand up um, and leave from something that at one point was your dream I always go back to being a student because that's literally all I feel like I do is just always uh, studying. But, you know, it's hard when you're a student because you you have these dreams. Like my career is going to look like this. Oh, that person has the, my dream job. I would love to work for this company. That's so cool. And it's hard not to do those things. But at some point, you might have to let go of that. And that itself in the long run is likely going to be more beneficial Um than holding on to a dream that really isn't a dream at all. That's, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I, I, I'm guilty of having those same dreams when I was in business school. Um, and the, the sad reality is that life and true reality will jump up and smack you in the face sooner than you think, sooner than you want. And you go, whoa, I wasn't prepared for that. And then you think, well, crap, how, now I'm like, now I got to pivot and I got nothing. It is blank space. Where do I go from here? And all of a sudden you feel rudderless, but you're not. Because if you turn back inward to who you are, then you're really not rudderless. You're like, okay, I, I, I still am this person. I'm still going to go out and find like people. And I'm going to go out and find a, a, a career, a company, a position that is true to that part of myself. And, um, you, you certainly, I think, I think the exciting part of a business school and just being the early part of your career or even later in career, cause now I'm at a point where I'm like, what else could I be doing? I don't think it ever stops. Let's just say that. I guess I should be saying that yeah, it never stops. I think Dreaming. it's always business. People are always, they're always <laughs> looking for the next thing. I don't think they ever yeah. stop. I think it's, I think it's just our personalities. It really is. And that's not a bad thing. I just love that about business because we can do anything. And uh, it's, it, you're, it goes back to the, the books, the imagination and letting you run wild. Uh, I think that's just fantastic. I, I, yeah, don't give up the dreams, I guess. Be okay with the dreams changing and evolving because that's the good thing, but never stop dreaming. It's something I want to come back to though, is that you mentioned corporate culture earlier. Yes. I kind of touched about like, um, business books and things like that. So a book I read uh, many years ago, actually, I think I highlighted like 80% of the book, which tells you just how good it was. It's called The Power of Habit. Can't remember the author, Power of Habit. It's a yellow book with a red bicycle on the front. I can tell you that much. Okay, that's very helpful. The power, I know, the power of habit. 
And it's a book that was divided into three sections. The first section was about our personal habits, which was fascinating. And it talked about the beginning was about a man who interestingly enough had dementia. And the person said, tell me where the kitchen is. And the man goes, I can't tell you. And the person goes, show me where the kitchen is. The man got up, showed them exactly where the kitchen was. The man could go for a walk around his neighborhood without any assistance and easily navigate home because he knew the blue car was always here. The trash can was always there. This tree was always there. Everything was there. And his brain just triggered those things automatically. Interesting. The second part was about company culture and about how leadership positively and negatively drives corporate culture. That really changed my view of my leaders and other leaders I look at and how that drives corporate culture. Really fascinating case studies in that section. I'm not going to give it away. You got to read it, but it'll help you. I think as whether you're early in your career or late in your career, it will give you, it'll be like, what is this person focusing on? Like, what is the habit that they're trying to get us to pick up? And what's funny is there have been times in my career where I've gone to leadership above me and I've been like, have you read this book? Because <laughs> I think, I think you need to focus on something here because we're a little all over the map. And um, sometimes other leaders don't like hearing that, but it's sometimes you got to hear the truth, right? Uh, and then the third section, interestingly, is about how marketing and advertising shapes our habits. And that was okay. fascinating too. Yeah, that sounds um, fascinating. Yeah. And I think, I think as well, like you could almost put your podcast into like that third bucket of how it helps to influence and shape in a positive way, people's habits and thoughts. And I, I, anyway, some people have to read the book and, and, you know, give you their opinions on that, but it's such a good story. And and it touches on just how important corporate culture is, but it's also, again, remaining authentic to who you are as a person and as a leader. Yeah. I think that well, thank you for the compliment. Also, I appreciate that. I saw that like our podcast is in the third section. I appreciate that. Um, and one thing that you touched on while you were speaking that um, I really want to share in the podcast is I had this professor last week and she she's an organizational behavior professor. So our course is all about personalities and different leadership and figuring out what works in management and what doesn't. She was actually a doctor. She Fun. went through everything. She was a family physician for five years. And then she was like, I don't like this. I'm going to go back to school. She went back to school. She got her PhD in organizational behavior and she's worked with the government. She's worked on like analyzing terrorist groups and how they think and how their leadership works. Really, really interesting professor. And she said, guys, you might not be billionaires, but what you are at this point in your career is your time billionaires. So the example she gave is she said, if Warren Buffett came to you tomorrow and said, I'll give you all my money, you can have all of my wealth, everything I have, but we have to change age. Like you are going to be 90 years old and I'm going to be 20 years old. You would never take it. Why would you want to be 90 years old? There's nothing left. You're at the end of your career. At 20 years old, it's the one thing that you can't have if you want it. And that's time. So, and it was so powerful. Like I was sitting there and I was like, wow, my eyes have just been opened up. I'm a time billionaire. And I was like, so excited about it. And I just think it's so true because you just have so much time and you can make mistakes. And as long as you're learning from them and absorbing what everyone above you and everyone who's older than you and had these experiences has to say, then there really isn't mistakes as long as you're learning from them, because it's just going to help you grow. And, you know, eventually when you get to those places, you're going to have your own stories to tell and your own experiences that everything will have made sense when you're 
20 years old and nothing makes sense. That is a fantastic nugget of gold that your professor gave you and that you shared with your listeners. And I think regardless of age, I, I mean, I'm a little further ahead, but I still think I got, I'm not, maybe not a billionaire in, in time. I'm probably a millionaire in time at this point. I've burned <laughs> through still, some time. That's still really, really valuable. That's still good. I'm still not going to swap with Warren Buffett. Um, but I definitely agree with you that I am, I will happily share the good, the bad, and the ugly of my personal experiences in order to help others make sure that they kind of come, come back. Do you know what I'm saying? Like reset yeah. that, reset themselves sooner than maybe I had in my career. And I appreciated a couple leaders in early in my career who, in, and I say this in a negative way, but I'm not meant to be in a negative way who kind of like smacked me upside the head and was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And, um, I can, I can share a story about that, which is, is really interesting, but I, I absolutely agree with you. And so to, to kind of go back to that, the story, what I was getting at, and this also, I think is one of the reasons why, when I was reflecting back on my, the early part of my career, and I thought, what the heck was it that I did? So, um, when I was at then America online now AOL, uh, and PS now Verizon, uh, I had a leader who said, Hey, Carly, you need to go to this two day presentation class. And I thought to myself, two days, what the hell are they going to teach me in two days? And then I thought to myself, I'm not far out of college. Like I think of all those presentations I had to give and all that stuff. And I'm like, how much more presentation training can one person take? But I was like, fine, I'm going to go. I'm being told to go do this. Fine. It was a two-day class and it was about 10 people in the class. It was nice and intimate. There were two coaches there and they actually get you up in front of the camera and they initially, like just like kind of at the top where, you know, you ask me some questions, you have to introduce yourself. And then once you're done, you take your tape to the next room and the coach reviews your tape with you. Getting back to like conformist versus authenticity. And so I thought I wanted everyone to like me. So I was this bubbly person of like, I'm Carly Hannon and I'm so excited to be here today. And so she brings me, the coach brings me in and she goes, all right, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and she goes, you sound like a Valley girl. You're not a Valley girl. You just need to be who you are. And that was the smack upside the head that I needed. And I thought to myself, okay, that is definitely not who I am. I don't want to sound like an idiot. I do have good thoughts and I need to communicate them in a clear manner. Otherwise, no one's going to take me seriously for the rest of my life. So that was one of those smack upside the head moments that I'm really thankful to have had relatively early in my career. I think people who are listening now are going to be going, crap, do I sound like a Valley girl? If you're not sure... If you're me, not sure me. when you, when you introduce yourself and you're like, hi, I'm Carly. That's me. Like that is my sister always makes fun of me. Cause I'm always like, hi, my name is Stacy. If we're in a breakout room, I'm like, Hey guys, my name is Stacy. Let me tell you about myself. I'm just that like type a, like hyper bubbly yeah. person. But I, I know sometimes it, it can be too much. You know, you're just, you're putting yeah. too much of a show. Well, I think there's a range. I think there's a range. Cause I've learned this, that there is a range. There is happy, positive, and then there's Valley Girl, okay? Yeah. You want to be happy, positive 
You don't want to sound like an idiot, like a valley girl. So I think you can always be bubbly of like, hi, I'm Stacy. But you don't have to be like, hi, going back to the hair (laughs) hair twirling. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to do that. But you definitely have to, being positive, it actually gets other people excited. I have colleagues who are like, I love being in meetings with you because you're always so positive. And I said, well, I woke up today and the lights are still on and I still have food in my pantry. So today's a great day. And uh, people are like, that's okay. And I said, that's exactly right. So anyway, it was a really good lesson. And uh, again, it, it reminded me to be authentic to who I am. That was where I kind of reflecting back of like, what the heck shaped my career? And that was one of those moments. That was one of those moments. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It was a really fun story. And I can definitely relate to that. Um, yeah, the whole Valley Girl thing. I love that because that's just something that <laughs> I've just, I feel really, you know, that really spoke to me personally. Um, and just lastly, to close off this episode, uh, is there like one single piece of advice that you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew back when you were just straight out of college or that you've been given throughout your time in your career that was like, wow, that really stuck with me. And I still think about to this day. Oh my goodness. That is a really good question. And I think you, um, when we were prepping for this session, you actually brought up two things that I have in my LinkedIn profile. Yes. And there are two things that have always been said in my head. They've, uh, they were said to me by some folks that I really appreciate and admire one of which is just make it happen. Kind of getting back to the perfect, the core professional skills, communication and, and time management, make it happen. And if you can't make it happen, communicate. Um, that is a really fundamental, I think, business skill that no matter what you're doing, what project you're working on, how much of a disaster or how successful it is, you're going to make it happen to the best of your ability. And when you can't, you're going to communicate. So make it happen is always a really critical um, thing that always goes through my head. And I repeat it like a, <laughs> like a marching order to my team, just make it happen. And people are like, I don't know how, I'm like, neither do I just make it happen. And uh, even if you have to make the crap up, just make it happen. And then we'll just figure it out. Anyway, I digress. The other one is just keep going. So back to the point of um, life is going to kind of pop up and, and your dreams and ideas that you have right at this moment could take a hard left turn before you realize it. And all of a sudden it could derail you and you could say, gosh, this, this isn't where I want to be going in my life. This isn't what I thought my life would be turning out to. And you just have to keep going because if you stop, then you're not going to evolve. You're not going to, I think you then begin to lose sight of yourself. And I think when you come to that point where the road gets bumpy, the road gets hilly, you have to going back to the authenticity, you have to go back to who you are as a person and just keep going. You may not know where that going is and that's okay. And I think that's the other thing that people should realize is sometimes you don't know the path and it is okay to not know the path. You don't have all the answers. You won't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers but I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to be authentic to myself and to those around me so that I am, I, everyone respects and appreciates who I am as an individual. I don't even want to add anything to that final piece of advice because I think it sums up everything we talked about today so nicely. I'm also going to leave the book that Carly recommended uh, on our Instagram page and website. So if you want to check it out, because it seems like a really great read and a great way to get back into reading if that's one of your New Year's resolutions. 
I want to thank Carly so much for joining us on the show today and sharing her stories and expertise and advice. This was such a fun conversation and um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Stacey. It was really wonderful to chat with you.